Oh, hello everybody. My name is Sebastian Barrera, and what relentless means to me is aim for impossibles. When you aim for impossibles and you work hard and you are consistent, you are being relentless. So, you want to be relentless, always think about impossible. Hello, folks, and welcome to this episode of the Relentless Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Dubay. And this is the first episode of season number three, technically. Uh, I am very, very happy, very excited, very glad to have today's guest on with us. You, If you listen to this podcast a lot, uh, or even once or twice, you know that I work for You Can You Services, and this, this podcast hopefully will garner attention to that incredibly awesome youth organization here in the city of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and people will go to our website and maybe people will donate and they'll look at great things and they'll learn about how we are relentless with young people. And today's guest is one of those people who works for You Can Youth Services, who actually does relentless youth work and has been with us for about four and a half years doing some awesome, awesome stuff. We're going to get into it. His name is Mr. Sebastian Barrara. Close enough. Close enough. And so, uh, Sebastian, how do you say your name? So, really, my full name is Gerardo Sebastian Barrera de la Torre. Right on. There we go. And that's why I just call you Sebastian. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Now, uh, Sebastian, you are born and raised for a lot of your life in Chile. I was uh, I was born and raised in Latin America. What that means? What, yeah, what does that yeah, mean? Exactly. So basically, I was born in Chile uh, on 1982, okay. and then when I was two years old, because of economy and political reasons, my family migrated from Chile to Brazil. Oh, I, I, did I know this? I did know this. No, I yeah. didn't. No, because you still go back to Chile to see your family. So yeah. you obviously they moved back. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that is the part of my story. So I was born in Chile, and then two years later, my family immigrated to Brazil, where we live approximately 10 years. Okay. So you lived there till you were 12? 11, 12, approximately. 11, 12. Yeah. Moved back to Chile. Exactly. And stayed there till how old? Uh, kind of approximately 17, so when okay. I started having kind of traveling in Latin America. With a backpack, a guitar, and a lot in my pockets, getting odd jobs, surviving life, um, like kind of living, um, like homelessness, traveling the world. But but homeless by choice, by traveling choice. the world. Exactly. You know, playing your guitar, yeah, singing love songs to the ladies. Well, basically, I used to follow couples with my guitar. Because just felt, hang on, yeah, okay. Let me explain that. Okay, <laughs> and and what what did we say? You're gonna have to what sometimes? Slow, Slow down. down. Yeah, and if you don't understand just subtitles, just su you want subtitles? Oh yeah, if that helps. This is the beauty of Sebastian, everybody. <laughs> and I want you to know Sebastian and I know each other very well. So if I tease Sebastian or he teases me, just know we're not being mean to one another. No, we know each other. We enough. know each other well <laughs> and we love each other very much. Uh sometimes I have to tell Sebastian at the office, Sebastian, slow can down. Can you slow down? Because I didn't understand what you said. Because your accent is beautiful. It, thank you. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you 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 have to slow down oh, for, yeah. for me because I'm yeah. not the coldest beer in the fridge. So <laughs> what did you just say? I just knew one song. And it was a love song. Okay. And I needed to make money. Okay. So if you go to Latin America, usually couples, young couples, don't have where to go. So they uh, just what, hang what out. did you say though? Capos? Couples. Like couples. Like Oh couples. There couples. we go. Okay. Couples. couples. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're talking about. So usually yeah. they hang out in parks. Okay. And then when they hang out in parks, basically I used to show up with my guitar yeah. and sing to them until mm. they give me money. So yeah. I go away. Oh, so you would so you were annoying. Exactly. Nice. I needed to make money. Which realistically is part of a definition of being relentless. Exactly. Being yeah. annoying. Being annoying. Being a pain yeah. in the ass. So and you you would show up and just say, hello, lovely couple. Yeah. I would Can like I to sing, sing a, a love song, song for and, her? and they would say, and here you go, absolutely. Yeah. And then you what, sing the same song over and over yeah, and over. Yeah, I never stop until they pay me. <laughs> so, and I was like 17, 18 years old, like doing nice, that. Nice, nice. From, uh, from, from that age, you, where did you travel? You traveled all over the world, didn't you? Uh, well, I, I traveled Latin America, okay. then I come back to Chile, and 
Um, it was really struggle for me to finish, like to be part of normal education. Like high school was not a thing for me. Mm. Um, so basically what happened is like, I was in a process of trying to find myself as a young person. I left my house when I was 14, 15 years old to have, to live my life. Not because I did have bad parents. It's just because I needed to understand myself. I needed to make peace with who I was. Was that a cultural thing though? Like did a lot of young people do that or were you unique? Oh no, I, I think it was something embedded in me. Okay. I was angry, I was upset. I was dealing with severe mental health issues hmm. and I was constantly blaming people in my life. So what were you angry and upset about? I think it was the move to Chile, from Brazil to Chile. Okay. It was a shock culture. Yeah. Um, because in Brazil, I was always the immigrant kid right. with a weird Chilean accent. Right. Then when I came back to Chile, I was the kid with the Brazilian accent. Oh. So it was kind of- There was Hawaiian. a real crisis of exactly. identity there. Exactly. And, it w and also like uh, in Chile, there was a lot of like, my family moved from from Chile to Brazil because of economical and political reasons. Mm. There was a coup d'etat for a long time. I grew up in a family that my mom was really um, a victim of the coup d'etat, and she lost so many people during that Are you time. okay to explain that a little bit? Oh, yeah. In 1973, uh, uh, and we just celebrated, like, we just commemorated 50 years of the coup d'etat in Chile on September 11. So it's really recent. Mm. But basically, the militaries took over the country and uh, more than 5,000 people lose their lives mm. during that process. And the dictatorship lasted 17 years from 1973 until the 90s. Wow. So during that time, uh, musicians, artists, and multiple people were persecuted, tortured, and killed um, by our own military people who are supposed to be protecting Chilean people. Right. So during that process, it was a really painful process with a lot of people were tortured and lost their lives mm. and lost their loved ones. And they never found them back. Like my, my, my mom, was, she lost her boyfriend and the boyfriend was 15 years old. Mm. Um, so that was a big part of my identity. The fact that my mom was uh, part of the Socialist Party. She was heavily involved on trying to save people's lives. And in some point, she needed to flew away from Chile. Sure. And that's why you guys moved at when, you were, when you were two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because she was like, she was fearing for our safety right. and the economy was not good. And right. there's still on the streets. Right. Um, and she chose family. But yeah. I was embedded with this kind of, you need to do what is right in times when the, your life can be in line. Um, do you think that that, uh, because one thing about you that I, I love and I respect and the odd time we've had to have conversations and we'll get into your work for you can use services in a bit, but there is the odd time where I've had to kind of go, Sebastian, we're going to just pull you back a little bit, rein you back because you, ah, this, this is, I don't know how else to say it. You're a bit of a fight the power guy. And do you think that your upbringing with your mom's influence? And then of course, all the things that you saw in Chile, whenever you went back, the political unrest, uh, the dictatorships, the the loss of life, the violence, the the just the hardship of all that. Um, that obviously that contributed to that anger you were talking about, mm -hmm. and then that kind of revolutionary. I'm a revolutionist kind of guy. Is that does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, um, and of course has contributed. But the big part of it is like when in principle on those movements in the seventies when people was rising up for better and more equality for an economic balance between the poor and the rich. Um, one of the big things is like, we are citizens of a country. Our responsibility is to contribute to the development of the country and the people who lives on it. It's responsibility of everyone to make a better world for everyone. Mm. And the notion of being civically engaged and participate and ensure that politicians who are holding uh, positions of power representing the people should have the input of people. Mm. And ensure that politicians representing not just their party interests, but the interests of the people mm. is so embedded in Latin America. Right. And that is why there's so many revolutions, there's so many uh, revolts, mm. because it is part of democracy, ensure that people understand their role. 
And me, like, I became a Canadian citizen no long time ago. Um, I try to be involved because it's my responsibility as a citizen to ensure that we are creating and developing voices and developing tables and having conversation about how can we do a better Edmonton, a better Alberta, a better Canada. You traveled all over. You saw some amazing things. You learned more than one song. <laughs> yes, I did. You then ended up in Canada uh-huh. uh, because you met a lady. I did. Over in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mallorca, Spain. Yeah. Uh, you fell in love. I did. And you got married. Uh-huh. You had a daughter. I do. But your your um your your love, who's who's your ex-wife, who you're mm -hmm. very, very close with, mm -hmm. uh, was from where in Alberta? Hay Lakes, Alberta. Hay Lakes, Alberta. How That's far correct. is that from Edmonton? Forty five minutes to an hour. You come from uh South America. Uh -huh. Right. But now you're living over in Spain and you've traveled a bunch of places. Mm -hmm. You're living in these beautiful places of uh, and just probably gorgeous beaches and ocean and all of it. Uh-huh. Well, what, what you know, we can we can close our eyes and imagine. And then you come to small town Alberta and if I'm not mistaken, was it the middle of winter? It was the beginning of winter. Beginning of it winter. was around September. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and how was that for you, Sebastian? <laughs> that was an interesting change um it was uh and also remember i didn't spoke english at all so do you need to you didn't speak any english when you got all. here nothing Zero. nothing now, what year was this that was 2010 man first i thought you had a little english in you. no english wow no english at all wow uh so yeah it's just like she was uh on a work visa in spain yeah her visa was expiring yeah and she was pregnant yeah. and basically we need health services <laughs> and she said well if something happened here in in, in spain i'm not covered right. by health care i gotta get home i need to go back home yeah so we check it out the odds and then i basically went to Haley's alberta wow. what the canola fields was one of the most impressive things i've ever seen cool it was beautiful to see yeah. the canola fields on the area yeah but i barely spoke english right. um and then I started working on what that the, What area. did you do for work there? Construction. Construction, okay. Yeah, there was the construction of a house. I supported the process of construing, uh, basically doing construction. Yeah. But the funny part is that I didn't, I was not allowed to drive in Canada at that point. Okay. And there was a little mountain bike. No, it was like those bikes that you make flips and like. Oh, a BMX bike. A BMX yeah, bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a little BMX bike. And you can see my yeah, size. Yeah. So yeah. I used to drive you're that. You're not, you're, you're petite. Exactly. Yes. So the bike was even petite than me. <laughs> and then uh, I was told that I need to wear a, a helmet. But, but for me, riding a bike, it was not something that we usually do in Europe, but right. you need to wear a helmet. And there was a little yellow helmet on that house. So I have a BMX bike and a yellow helmet that barely fit my big head. And just so everyone knows, he's saying yellow. Yellow. Not yellow. Yeah. Yellow. Yeah, yellow. <laughs> yellow. And basically what happened is Because all, like, all I'm yeah. imagining is you wearing a jello helmet and it's and like it's yep. shaking. Like it shakes in the bowl. It's shaking as you ride your bike. <laughs> I okay. can't see that. <laughs> Keep going. But basically I used to drive that bike 50 to an hour towards my work placement. Wow. And then halfway in, during winter time in those rural Alberta areas, yeah. There's no pavement. So half away, I have to put the bike on my shoulder and start running towards Man. work to be dead at 7 a.m. in the morning. And, and like September. So your bosses didn't think maybe we could pick this guy up. Oh, no? I think there was like nobody knew my reality. Yeah. Really, and they just start seeing me showing up. And like something's like, you show up late 15 minutes. Like, yes, yeah, I yeah. did. That's just, yeah, because it's, I'm, I ran here because the BMX bike has a flat tire. Yeah. That's relentless. Yep. That's relentless. So you're, you're, you're doing that. Then you come to Edmonton when? Uh, four months later. Four months later. Yeah, okay. So you did that later. for about four months. Yeah. Came to Edmonton. And how did you get into youth work? So basically, I start volunteering with organizations. Like my, my background is in project development and marketing. You say um, that again. My background is in project development and marketing. Okay. And basically, I start developing projects for non-for-profits. Okay. Um, and I start volunteering, and they saw some capacity, and then they asked me, can you do this? 
And then I start offering what I could do. Yeah. Uh, and then little by little, uh, people start knowing me better and understand what I was capable to do. And eventually I, be, I became community coordinator of uh, community capacity projects. And that was at uh, Boyle Street, right? Uh, no, that was at Action for Healthy oh, Communities. Oh, Action for Healthy Communities. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, I migrate to be a project developer with Boyle Street. Okay. Uh, working with young people living in um, basically homelessness. Homelessness, yeah. Um, and then after that, I came to UK. To UK. Sorry to interrupt the Relentless Podcast, everybody, although this is a very good message. We want you to go and check out our Relentless Merchandise Store. That's right. We have launched a merchandise store for all of our Relentless garb. We've got t-shirts. We've got hoodies. We've got crew necks. We've got hats. We've got toques. And we're going to be coming out with some more merchandise in the very near future. So please www.ucan.ca that's y-o-u-c-a-n.ca when you get to the website you look up to the top right corner i think it says buy our merch hit that button boom it'll take you there we really want you to wear our stuff one because every dollar raised goes directly into our programming for the young people we work with and two because it's a conversation starter for you when you wear it, people are going to go, what's relentless? You can then brag about how you support an incredibly good organization helping young people. And then you can talk about how you are relentless in your life. That's what we want. We don't want us to just be relentless. We want you to be relentless too. Thanks for your support and we appreciate you helping us out. Now, back to the show. Folks, Whenever I think of the word relentless, there's many thoughts, many actions, uh, and truthfully, some people that come to my mind. And Sebastian is one of them. He really is. And I'm about to, to blow sunshine up his wazoo here for a bit, but he's okay with that. He's a very confident person. He likes it. Um, when you first came in, I'm trying to remember. Did I interview you? I think I did. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Who you interviewed didn't. you? Uh, Amy, Amy and Jamie. And, Amy and Jamie. Yeah. Interviewed you. I remember the first time that I met you because uh, if you're listening to this, it's tough. If you're if you're seeing it even on YouTube, it's tough. But if you were around Sebastian for any amount of time at work, he has an energy to him and this positivity that is it's electric. And it is contagious. And I'm going to give you an example of what he says every single day. And I am not making this up. I'm going to do a little role playing right now, Sebastian. Folks, if you can imagine, we're walking into UCAN Youth Services, which by the way, if you haven't been there, why don't you come and do a tour? We'd love to have you there. Meet some of our young people. Meet Sebastian. Meet some of our staff. Really learn about what we do. Um you are more than welcome to come. So we are walking. I walk in and I see Sebastian and I always go, hey, Sebastian, how's today? No, no. I go, hey, Sebastian, uh, how's it going? How are you today? I'm incredible. That's not how you say it. <laughs> he always goes, I'm incredible. I'm incredible. He yes. always says, I'm incredible or incredible or it's incredible. Every day on Facebook, this guy puts a positive meme or whatever in the morning, every morning. And it usually says, good morning, beautiful people. And then it's just this beautiful quote or saying, so positive, so positive. Uh, can I ask you why, how, <laughs> how do you do this? So this is the thing. Um I'm not necessarily a religion person, mm -hmm. but I do believe in positive affirmation. Mm. Some days I, I can feel stress or I can feel bad or it can be not a good day. That being said, I prefer to focus on my positive brain and the way that I activate those endorphins and that brain structure of me is using the word incredible. It's kind of my power word. Mm. And when things are not going well, if I'm getting stressed, I just repeat that. And it gets me out of that mindset. A big part of my younghood or my young ages, I struggle with mental health issues. Yeah. I struggle with being in a dark mindset. Mm. And usually what happens with us is we loop on that mindset and it's hard to get us out. We keep looping and worrying and develop a toxic brain. This power word, 
helped me to remind me that everything is okay. Mm. Everything will be okay if I just keep embedding this incredible feeling inside of me. Mm. So sometimes I'm not incredible and that happened, but I remind myself that everything will be okay. It, it, it really does bring an awesome vibe to you can use services and you helped build a, a great culture there. Um, now that we know a bit about Sebastian, everybody, what I want us to do is talk about being a relentless youth worker for you can use services because until about four or five months ago, that's what you did for four years. So you mm -hmm. came on, you interviewed, they hired you as a relentless youth worker. Um, I'm going to explain kind of what the, our relentless youth workers do, if you don't mind. Of course. Um, from a, from, you know, the executive director's point of view. And then you're going to tell everybody what you, what you guys actually do. So we, we have five relentless youth workers at you can use services. We're actually looking to build that up to like eight or nine or 10. Uh, we're going to try to get some funding for that. We, the program has been around for a long time, but about four years ago, we started working exclusively with Edmonton police service where they, we only take youth in that program that are referred to us by Edmonton police service. They have a list called Y50. Then they have another list called 180. The Y50 list is the, is, is according to police data, the, the, basically the top 50 most vulnerable young people in the Edmonton community, according to their data. And the 180 list is essentially 51 and beyond. And that probably goes up to about 150 to 200 that they, that they kind of have on these lists. What we do is we work in conjunction with Edmonton Police Service where they actually have five constables uh, in their youth unit that, that are there to deal with these top 50 young people that are, that are considered very high risk. Uh, they're between the ages of, well, I think technically 12 and 17 and 364 days. Cause once you turn 18, you're not considered a young offender. And then they have five consoles. We have these five youth workers and they work quite often hand in hand, mm -hmm. trying to help these young people navigate so many different things. Uh, these young people have a ton of barriers. Sebastian's going to be able to tell you more about those, but some of the ones that I'll list off quickly would be, you know, they're, they're, it's poverty. We're coming from, they're, they're dealing with addictions. They're dealing with justice system. They're dealing with housing security. They're dealing with food security. They're dealing with mental health. They're dealing with FASD. They're dealing with so many different things. And I think that Sebastian would agree for the most part, they have an awareness of some of those things, but definitely not managing. Mm -hmm. those things. So all that being said, our relentless youth workers job is to have these young people referred. It is not mandatory for these young people to work with our staff. Uh, typically though, 40 of the 50 do, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes even more that are, is a, is a very consistent engagement. And then what they, what, what our staff do is they build relationships and they build relationships and they're relentless and they show up and they show up and they show up. And if they can't find them, they hunt them down. They hunt them down. They hunt them down. And I've just talked for a long time. So I'm going to turn this over to you. Sebastian, as a relentless youth worker, tell us about the young people that you work with mm -hmm. in general terms. We're not going to bring any names up. You can tell, I'll tell a couple stories. That'd be great. And what do what did you do or what do our relentless youth workers do on the ground. Oh, fair. So I think everything is started with the initial referral and working with police department. Um, what has been a really groundbreaking process because uh, the police really want to support these kids to not go back to jail, to not be a client, to get out of that list. But these young people need um, navigators because as you name it, these kids have mental health issues. These kids don't have a house to go back to. They don't have an adult support. They Gang involved. Exactly. They are, uh, they're have invisible disabilities was maybe one of the most difficult elements to diagnose, to prove and to advocate for because there's not, not enough service. So let's say that again, invisible disabilities. disabilities. Yeah. Which would be? 
FASD, okay. cognitive delays, and any other uh, brain diverse. Uh, we have kids with autism. Right. Well, basically, don't even the lawyers know that the kids have autism. Right. So if I have an autistic kid, he need accommodations and he needs somebody to support the process of advocating. Mm -hmm. If we have somebody with autism who also is getting in and out of jail, who, is pro who has cre are creating victims and so, uh, basically assaulting people on the streets, how mm -hmm. we deal with that if we don't even know mm -hmm. his diagnosis? So I think it, one of the main elements is learn who are our clients. And there's so many red tape on diagnosis. There's like, we don't know this kid's diagnosis. Right. How can we approach him and learn those things? And, and there's a lot of information that because we work so closely with the police, we have a, a, a memorandum of understanding where we can do some information sharing. Not all of it. Of course not. But there is some stuff that we're able to do, especially if we do have permission from the, the young person or their guardian, whether that be a parent, if a parent is involved or the, maybe, maybe they are like, you know, um, uh, like, a, I'm just losing it now where the government's, uh, uh, in charge of them. Like, yeah, why uh, am I children losing services. this? Children's services. Children's oh my services. gosh. I've only been doing this for 30 years. Um, so anyways, these young people, the big thing is you need to get to know them. How do, how does, how do you do that as a relentless youth worker? So basically, you, uh, you can meet them in multiple scenarios. Sometimes they are in Edmonton Young Offender Center. So you start doing visits there. Other times they're at Alberta Hospital on the forensics unit. So we go and visit them there. Mm -hmm. Other times they're on the streets or they're on the run or they're accessing other services and other agencies that work with young people in a drop-in center. So the first element is build that contact and build that uh, that relationship. Uh, and you build that relationship at the beginning. Some of our clients really don't want to see us, mm. don't know who are you. Mm. And then I'm the person who show up when they're in the hospital. Do you, um, yeah. So do you get a lot of resistance in the beginning? It depends. It's client by client, but yeah. mo more likely that it is basically these are kids most more likely that have been growing up jumping between services and other workers mm. some experiences has been good other experiences has been horrible for mm -hmm. them so why they should work with you mm. but then when you develop that consistency that you tell them i will show up and then the kids first like don't believe you but then when they are in court you're there and say hi i'm here uh give me your phone number next time i will drive you to court i will drive you to probation I will drive you to the hospital. I will visit you in jail. I will advocate for you because I'm in your corner. I'm your juice worker. I'm here to serve you. And that is another key word. We're there to serve. These kids don't have that kind of... Uh, a lot of people never have offered that to them. Mm. Be there 100% to serve them. And I think that is one of the beauty of the program, that even though we collaborate with the police department, we are use workers first. Yeah. And that relationship and that trust is what allowed us to support these kids turning their life around. Consistency and 100% beyond their corner. Mm -hmm. This is a big reason why I love you so much is because you really do look, and I believe that that the staff at You Can Use Services looks at it where we are there to we are there to serve. Yeah, I I say it often that it's an honor for us to be a part of their lives. And hey, this work ain't easy. Nope. Some of these young people are tough to deal with, but then when those relationships and those those bonds, if you will, are made, it does become a bit easier. But it's still very unpredictable, isn't it? It is. It is, and not always because of our clients. There's so many moving pieces, and there's so many agencies in the process of trying to support, supporting, but also identifying what they are doing, mm -hmm. how they are working, what is going on with our clients, how can we develop a collaborative approach to support this young person. And that is another element of what we do as relentless youth workers. It's not just working with the client. There is gaps in the system and we understand that. There is social issues that are bigger than these kids and be an advocator and create awareness and work collaboratively with multiple agencies to provide a better service 
is also part of being relentless. So let's, if you don't mind, maybe give a couple examples. We'll never use a name. We mm-hmm, keep it fairly not. general. What, what are, what are, where do these young people come from? Where, where are well, their back? You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where, where do they come from? So we, we, we do have, um, a lot of representation of indigenous youth mm-hmm. in the Y5 list. And of course, that list change every year. Every year. Uh, more like if I have to create a definition of kids or like, Basically, our kids who have been growing up without a family or without their natural family, they have been in foster homes multiple times. They have invisible diagnosis of yeah. cognitive disabilities, FASD, or other brain yeah. injuries. Um, they have been mixed diagnosed as well. The assessments are not done, and they don't have a housing program that support their behavioral issues because they exist and a lot of them have been through a lot of trauma in of regards course. to yeah. all the different well not all but some have been through all some have been through mm-hmm. some types of very extreme or severe abuse exactly and then because of their uh invisible invisible disabilities uh they don't recognize even that as an abuse mm-hmm. and then normalize abuse right. and then in their lives these other people like gangs members or uh drug dealers that identifies identify these young people and they target them to become part of their community sure. but more likely they're abusing them sure because these young people are vulnerable exactly <clears throat> easy targets uh-huh. and they kind of get sucked in they want to be accepted they want to be cared about they want to be loved Mm-hmm. And they get sucked in. You know, I I really have been doing this a lot lately. <clears throat> where I, I think that that anyone that's listening to this, we need to stop and think about this. There, I think there's the young people, and if you've ever been to the comedy nights that we do when I'm up there speaking, or if you've ever heard me speak in public about you can use services, I quite often will describe our young people. And you need to know this is not with disrespect. This is what I think that some of society sees our young people as, is the throwaways, the unlovables. And they are the opposite. Oh, yeah. They uh, the smile. As soon as I said that, you smiled. I'll tell you what. This is When we meet these young people and you really get to know them, they are just, as Sebastian would say, incredible. Mm-hmm. But I want everyone to stop and think about what 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 they were like and you know we'll go we'll go far man we'll go back to when you were like just a toddler five six seven eight nine years old if you were fortunate enough because not everyone listening is fortunate enough to to not go through a lot of trauma to not go through abuse to not go through those things if you are fortunate as a teenager to not go through those things good for you Mm -hmm. um but I want I really want us to think about what would that be like for these these young people. And then by the time we enter their lives, the trauma, the things that they've been through, they're they're quite resilient. Mm-hmm. They they I always call them they're unbelievable at the hustle mm-hmm. because they have learned how to navigate their lives in many ways where I would never know how to do that as a 50-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And I can't even imagine having to live through that at such a young age. And then I tell people all the time, I'd be pissed off at the world if I was them too. I'd be doing some crazy dumb shit because it is a bit of survival mode. But it's also, I'm pissed off at the world, you know. When you're dealing with those young people, here, let me ask you an interview question from our uh, from our job interviews. How do you build a relationship with a young person who was reluctant to build relationship with you? Um, show up is the big, the big element. It's uh, the biggest. It's the biggest. Like you need to show up. You need to show them that um, you will not give up. I remember to, uh, at, like when COVID hit, it was a really struggle for us yeah. to be present, to show up. And then I have this new client that unfortunately the kid was uh, caught multiple times foot lifting, mm. so stealing food from yeah. grocery stores. Yeah. Um, and it was like more than a hundred times. Right. So it was like building up, building up. Right. Um, and I started showing up on this kid's house the first time he was like, didn't want to talk to me at all. And then I started, he lived in the basement. Um, so I started knocking the window of the basement and saying, hi, I brought you food. And 
he used to scream through the window, go away, yeah. go away. He didn't want yeah, to say that. He probably didn't scream that. We're allowed to swear on yeah. here. And folks, I'm going to swear now. So everyone, uh, <laughs> if there's kids listening, earmuffs, kids probably like, get the fuck out of here. Yep. Yeah. Like, go screaming away. at you. Yeah. Yeah. He was screaming to me and saying, I got you chocolate. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was in the food basket and I used just to leave the food basket in front of I his door I got you chocolate and then I used to wait a little bit to see if he go and pick it up yeah. um, and then he didn't so it, it was an opportunity to interact face to face sure I was completely he, di- he did pick he it didn't. up he didn't well he, he was would resi- yeah just leave it there yeah. so I started doing that process process weekly yeah. so we avoided it to go and keep stealing from stores sure and then after a little bit, um, I drop the box. Then I go back home, uh, go back to work yeah. and do my work. And then before the end of the day, I should just pass outside of the house to yeah. see if the box is still there. Sure. And the box was not there anymore. Yeah. So the kids was accessing food. Yeah. That was one of the priorities. We yeah. want this kid to eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then little by little. You want him to yeah. eat and you want him to stop stealing from grocery exactly. stores. Yeah. So little by little, we start. Uh, he know that I will show up. And then one day he opened the door to receive the box. Mm. And then he looked at me and said, like, can you bring me this specific chocolate? Yeah, then he's, <laughs> like, he's getting picky. Yeah, he's getting picky. It's yeah. like, yes, next time he's I'm going to bring Because he's like, because when I go to the grocery store, I actually pick what I want. Exactly. I mean, I steal it, but I pick it. So, yeah. So we did that. And I started bringing him the chocolates that he wanted. And then the kid was willing to talk to me mm. about going to court mm-hmm. about visiting probation mm-hmm. because it was part of his conditions right and me explaining to him his conditions yeah with time what i learned is that this kid did have uh, assessment and his cognitive ability was lower yeah but we advocate for that assessment to happen yeah yeah and that assessment cost three thousand five hundred dollars wow and we advocate, we talk with children's services, we identify that there was a need of assess this key problem. And did, they, did children's services pay for it or did yeah. we? Okay, yeah, good. they pay for it. Because we would pay for that if we had to. Exactly. Right? No, that's, but that's, folks, that's just, so you know, some yes. of the money we raise goes towards that type of stuff. So, Assessments. Yeah, yeah. And they're so needed in yeah. order to implement a plan moving forward. Yeah. So, and because they, once they get assessed, now we can see what they, what, 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 where they're at, what they're going through and bring resources to them or get them involved with resources that are going to help them. Exactly. But then the other element is to convince the client to go to a three days assessment right. of seven hours assessment. So we're working in one side, but also we need to convince the client to ensure that he's presenting himself to assessment sure. because if they don't present themselves into the assessment, we're done. Right. We already paid for it once. Yep. It's hard to get it yeah, paid I again. Bet you, I bet you some of these young people, I think of my dad. When my dad goes to the doctor, I uh-huh. used to be this way too, actually. With my dad, he's 70. He's he's struggling a bit. And he'll he'll try to lie to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Or he doesn't even want to go. Exactly. And that would be the same as these young the people. The same with these young or people. Or they'll go to do an assessment, but they'll they'll potentially lie. Or they'll try to beat the assessment almost, right? Which makes it difficult. Exactly. So without relationships, make that young person go to an assessment is impossible. Mm-hmm. And we need to match those at the same time because the schedule assessment you, is that day. If you didn't show up, you don't make it happen. Some of the young people you're dealing with as well, they're, they're, they're quite violent. They could. They have potential for violence, yes. And, well, and they have been violent. Mm-hmm. Technically, that's why they're on the list. Mm-hmm. I know that we have seen some incredible stats of crime and violation decreases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the Amazon police would be thrilled if they could put stats out saying 15% decrease in all these different areas of crime. Our mid report here of 2023, we literally were, were between, depending on what it was, 36 and 51% decreases. Like these are unbelievable numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the high up brass, the chief, deputy chief, they were like, is this real? Mm-hmm. But that's how that's how well this is working. That's one aspect of. It. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk to us about your opinion. Like that's that's the 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 quantitative stuff. That's the numbers you can count. But this is qualitative stuff where it's like the the antidotal things. Like what do you see in young people after you've worked with them for a while that are big improvements? I think the the self awareness of 
the reality and the fact that there's somebody believing in them. Mm. It helped them to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. It helped them to achieve new goals and even imagine themselves on another a scenario. Um, a lot of the young people after working with us are working. We support the process of getting into employment, to get in their own place, mm. to pay with their money, their rent, their food, to budget, to work with us to ensure that uh, because they usually get one year uh, probation process and mm-hmm. they need to go twice a month to mm-hmm. probation or once a month to probation to develop positive report with probation. These kids become in charge of their reality mm-hmm. and they believe that they can do something to change the reality. So we are helping these kids to believe in the impossible because society have told them you will never get out of this. But when you are in that kid corner, when you are working with them, when you are waking him up, when you are ensuring that he's making two appointments, that feeling of this is done, this is done, this is done, make them believe that everything that they were told in the past is not true. And they can achieve whatever they want if they have the right supports. You can use services mission is to move young people out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. Yep. That's exactly what you just explained. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do with these young people. And what I find interesting historically over the years is if we can help a young person move forward through the stages of change. And I mean, we could literally spend an hour talking about stages of change. Um, look it up, folks, if, if you don't know what it is. It's very interesting. But we get them through these stages of change, and they're really now becoming more independent. So it's what we talked about earlier. There's the difference between having awareness and then having management, of yes. the, right? Awareness of the barriers or the, the risk factors, and then management. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Here. And now all that being said, there's usually going to be relapse. Of course. They're, they're going to stay, take steps backwards. But if we are still there for them so that they don't take too many steps backwards, it can definitely make a difference. But what I was, what I was going to say was I've seen so many young people when they finally get into maybe their own place or they're in a place with a couple healthy people that are roommates and they're paying their own rent and maybe they bought themselves their own groceries and, and they're, they don't need a Sebastian to drop them off or they don't need to go steal their food from a store. Maybe they bought themselves a TV. Maybe they, you know, all these things that typically we just kind of do. And But I remember as a young man, the first time I did all that, it was very uh, empowering to me. But these young people, when this happens and they get these legitimate paychecks, it usually takes about three, four, five of those paychecks where it clicks in. And then when it clicks in, it really clicks in. That's what we're trying to do at You Can Use Services. Now, these these relentless young people, clients, participants, mm-hmm. youth, they actually, that's it's a long haul with them. Of course. It's a long haul. It's it, it Change takes time. We exactly. have to be patient. Yeah, and require reinforcing. The other big element of what relentless do is community development. We understand that these kids already have an existing community. It can be healthy or not, but... It's usually not. Yep, fair. But also, even if it's not, I need to meet the friends. Mm -hmm. I need to meet girlfriends. I need to meet cousins. I need... I knock the doors, and if I can do not find my kid, I understand his network. Mm -hmm. And I'm also relentless of building relationship with the natural networks of these kids. Why? Because then I, I inform him, hey, he got an appointment. He got this. Can you please remind him? Mm-hmm. If I can do not found my clients, I call my the network. Yeah. And then I will, Sebastian, he's, the, he's in this area. You can find him here. I will let him know. And working on, on that environment also improve our capacity to find the kids. And we, we listen, we didn't create this. We call those, those eco maps. Eco mapping. Right. Yeah. Eco mapping. And uh, we got taught that some years ago. It's a brilliant, brilliant system. Yeah. 
And here's the thing about even if those natural supports or circles are not what we would consider healthy, quite often those young people are not willing to leave them. Exactly. Because they are family or they're mm-hmm. friends that they've been with through thick and thin for years or it's whatever that is. And you know what? I guess like rightfully so. That What are we going to do? Strip them from that? And, you know, um, I, there's times we want to. But, exactly. But we can't. No. Nope. And quite often they don't want to. I've worked with young people in the past. It is shocking to me, the abuse, the thing, and I'm talking shocking. I wouldn't even say some of this stuff on the podcast because it's just so grotesque what they've been through. And they still have this longing to be with that parent because it's their parent, Mm -hmm. you know? So you got to deal with that type of stuff too. As we move on now a little bit with your career, you did that for four years. Uh And again, folks, this guy's relentless. I'll be honest with you. I took some phone calls from people in the community going, uh, can you maybe talk to Sebastian? Because this, we, we actually had a judge once, <laughs> you know, this, but judge who was like, does, what, who's this guy? Like, does he think he's a lawyer? Like what's going on in court? Which I laughed. I was like, good. Cause you advocate so hard for your young people. And, I, and in doing that, you piss people off sometimes. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's about being relentless. Uh, Molly Baldwin from Roca out in uh, Chelsea, uh, the Boston area, who is to me, the originator of relentless youth work. Um, she's a, she's a mentor, well, kind of a mentor, a hero of mine. She's been on this podcast. Her definition of relentless uh, be a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. That's what you can be. And when you're, and especially when you're advocating for these young people, which I love. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www. Explain a little bit before we move on to to what you're doing now. Yeah, I love how you talked about like I'm knocking on his window. I'm even. What have you done to be? What is I mean, you. What is relentless, Sebastian? (laughs) Okay, so this is this is a true story. It was the first year that I was working. With the police department. Okay. And then... Uh, through through us. Through, yeah, like yeah, the first through year, you guys. The first year the of the first partnership. Year, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It was the first year of the partnership. I hear that there was a client on a third floor on an apartment building, but I couldn't have access to the apartment building. So I start kind of throwing little rocks to the window. I saw the window open. Nobody answered. So basically, uh, I grab a small speaker that I have at home. I put a microphone on it. I show up outside of the building and I start, I put on the speaker and I start screaming this kid's name through oh, the speaker. I thought, you, I thought you were going to say you start singing the one love song you knew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I basically use the speaker to call this kid out. And then this kid like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. He opened the window and say, hi, I'm your youth worker. You hadn't even met him yet? Nope. Oh my gosh. He, I, he was really hard to find. So that was one of my strategies. I put music on as well, yeah. Bluetooth, and turned the music. The kid's like, what is going on outside? It's like, hi. Now, d- did he think it was funny or was he like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, he's thinking it's funny. What okay. are you doing? It's like, dude, I have calling you. I left my business card multiple yeah. times here. I'm here to support you. You have court tomorrow. I said, I didn't know. It's like, come down and we can talk. And that is how we started. Wow. That's <laughs> relentless, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, this, this job can be tough too, though. It can be sad. Oh yeah. You see a lot of sad things. How do you, how do you deal with the word incredible has helped me a lot, but, uh, youth work in general can be tough. We, there's multiple overdoses, there's suicide, there's self-harming, there's, uh, mental health issues, there's homelessness, there's. So many elements to it. During my full career, I have lost approximately nine young people Mm. through these situations. Uh, Counseling, my friend. Mm. Understand that I'm burning out and I need to slow down. Mm. Uh, Self-awareness that Mm. this is possible. That uh, I also have done um, opioid intervention. I have doing CPR on clients. Mm -hmm. And 
that definitely impact frontline workers in a way that we can do not even imagine. Yeah. Uh, as a youth worker, I have experienced panic attacks yeah. and, uh, and it's because of the work that we do. So be mindful that this can be part of the reality of this work and be mindful that when you need help, you should ask for help. You should be um, open to receive counseling. That mental health issues or PTSD because of the work that we do and because we lose lives is important to be part of the equation of what are we doing as youth workers, how we take care of ourselves. Because outside of my work, I have a family to take care of. And family can do not be taken care of if my mental health issues are in the middle because I could, right. you don't stop thinking. Youth work or non-for-profit work sector is a service work, but usually you bring the work home because you can do not forget that your client is on the streets at 3 a.m. in the morning, it's 40 degrees below, and there's nowhere to go. And those things torment multiple young young people, but also their workers. Mm. As workers, we do whatever it takes to support these kids. Sometimes the services are not there or don't exist. And because of that, we need to be mindful that we can do as much, we can create awareness, but sometimes we can do nothing mm. because today we couldn't, but tomorrow is a new day and we're gonna keep trying. But be aware that frontline workers should be taking care of their mental health issues, should be accessing counseling and supports is a big element of be able to do the work that I do in a healthy way. It's very difficult to help someone who's struggling if you're really struggling yourself. Exactly. You know, I used to say it a different way, but it's it's uh, inappropriate. But <laughs> if you're struggling, it's tough to help someone who's struggling. Um, let's move on to now you are the You Can Youth Services Employment Programs Coordinator. Exactly. So you've gone into leadership with us. Yep. Um, my biggest regret is I didn't bring you in sooner <laughs> because in the last four or five months, you've really brought some incredible energy to our employment programs. Uh, maybe explain what our employment programs are. Do you want me to do it or you want to do it? Oh, I would love to do Go it. Go ahead. Um, so basically we have two main employment programs. We have the virtual program, what is a nine weeks program, uh, who basically develops soft skills for young people who are trying to get into entry level employment opportunities. Um, and then we follow up with them 12 weeks after the nine weeks are done in order for these young people to receive all the supports for them to get employed. Um, this is really focused on personal development and when the kids never having had a job before. So we help them to get the courses and all the training that they need to be employable and to ensure that they can maintain employment and of course make employers happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they essentially spend yeah. nine weeks. Those are those are, are at-risk youth between the ages of 18 and 24, 25 years old. Exactly. And we're bringing them in to help stabilize them a bit more. So they're managing those barriers. But they still need more help managing those barriers, essentially. Yeah. And we try to work with them for that kind of eight, nine weeks, running them through a variety of different workshops, right? Exactly. And that's everything yeah. from what? Budgeting money to conflict resolution to- Personal development. It's all personal yeah. development. Then we go into employment development. And exactly. uh, to be honest with you, a lot of employment development is what? How not to be a knucklehead at work, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, that's essentially what we're really trying to teach them. And then we're, we're helping them get employment. Exactly. Um, after those nine weeks where they go into the 12 week work, work experience, right? Yep. Um, and they're paid for being there 15 bucks an hour because of the subsidies that were given by the governments. Exactly. So basically they get paid to learn. Yeah. And earn that, while you learn. There we go. Earn, earn, earn while you learn. learn. There we go. Earn while you to put learn. That out. If you know anybody in that age bracket that needs some help getting a job, they can earn while they learn at you can use services in, in, in the virtual project exactly our other program is road to work road to work and basically we know that the construction industry need workers and that is how we jump in to support young people to get ready for work in construction uh, and ensure that they get all the training necessary so the companies don't have to spend that money we pay for the kids to get trained and of course to get employed in construction uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. That program is set up for five weeks because mm -hmm. these young people would be more what we would consider vulnerable. Again, 18 to 24, 25, 26 years old. They're a little bit farther along, but they just need assistance navigating this. They need assistance maybe getting some of these, these safety trainings. We try to put them through five or six of those kind of core safety trainings that a lot of these construction companies are going to give these young people anyways. 
but it looks really good if they show up on the doorstep of one of these construction companies with this. Then another thing that we do, and we just talked about it this morning as we were talking about this program, the young people love this part because we do the personal development, but it's it's shorter. Exactly. Right? And it's kind of condensed. It's short. But now we do a week worth of hands-on tool training. Exactly. Because many of the employers we work with, construction folks, are going, can you teach them how to do some tool stuff because they show up and, and they don't have experience. You know what they're doing. So we set up for a week. Milwaukee Tools donated all the tools. And we go to – we set up kind of a uh, kind of a mobile shop, if you will. And weirdly enough, we build uh, road barrier barricade legs. legs. Uh-huh. So let me say that again. Road barricade legs uh-huh. uh, for one of our huge partners, ATS Traffic, shout out to them. And what it does is these young people are now using like, you know, hand tools uh, as far as like screwdrivers and all that type of stuff. They're using drills. They're using saws. They're using tape measures. They're, they're learning how to, to plan, how to measure, how to cut, how to fasten. They're literally learning how to load trucks, unload trucks with the materials. And that is their favorite week Every week we've done it, the young people and Big Tim, who does that for us, shout out to him. He's a, he's a home builder who who comes in for a week every five weeks and, and does that. It is making a huge difference in their lives because now they've got these skills. Exactly. And the construction companies are loving it. Stats are kind of off the charts with that. With both those programs, like mm-hmm. our success rates are very high. And I think we're going to be able to build this up. If, if you're a construction company, if you're any employer, looking for a young person and want to give them a chance. Also knowing this, in both of those programs, when we send them out to work, we have a transitional outreach worker, a relentless outreach worker that's going to help them transition into employment. Exactly. And and what do those folks do? So basically, we identified that our young people also need supports to navigate their personal lives during employment. Sometimes, Things happen with our young people. They they need rent support. They need uh, housing support. There's domestic violence that can be attached to their stories. So these workers help them to navigate those things so it doesn't impact employment. Uh, and they have a one-on-one support from a transitional resource worker that is there for them if they need it. Mm-hmm. We check on them. We support them. We ensure that they have all the gear that they need for employment, that they're showing up in time. And then we have the employer developer with somebody who's checking on, the, on our employers and our kids to see how the kids are doing, ensure that the kids are getting job interviews, ensure that our kids are successful and connected with the right, the right placement right. for them to become successful and maintain employment. It really is pretty awesome work. And uh, you are now in charge of those uh, two employment programs, which I'm very happy about because you have brought your relentlessness to it because all of our staff there need to be relentless. Exactly. We have facilitators. We have employment developer. We have a, a recruiter to get young people. We have our outreach workers. Um, and one cool thing, too, about all of our programs is we provide, we well, through very generous funding through RBC Foundation and then actually through uh, government funding as well, we supply our young people with free counseling. Uh-huh. And that's something that I think is incredible. And we've actually made it for our employment programs mandatory that they have to go in and at least once talk to one of the counselors to get going, right? And see if it works. We have two, two counselors. Uh, so we have a counselor there three to four hours every single day. And I love that we're able to do that. It's so important, especially after COVID. Exactly. A lot of more mental health stuff that we're seeing. Sebastian, this has been great talking to you, man. I appreciate it. I'm so glad that you were on here. Uh, now, a lot of the other staff are going to want to. No, actually, they might not because they don't want to even. Most of the staff don't want to talk to me. Okay. Hey? Well, don't you find that they're. they're I don't know. They, they think I'm a bit of a loser. Nah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I have had many, many of our staff over the years, like as I've gotten older, be like, Kyle, maybe don't talk to the youth so much. You're not as cool as you think you are. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. I do a lot of dad jokes and. I still try to connect with the young people as much as I can. Uh, Sebastian, have you ever, you probably never listened to the podcast or maybe you have. I I don't know. Okay. Well, then you would know that at the end of the podcast, we do something that we like to call the relentless quiz. There we go. We need theme music for this quiz. Okay. Um, You know what? Before we do that. Okay. I want you to pump the tires of what you do away from work. 
Because what, I oh. actually don't know how you have the energy you do with all the different things you do away from work. I want you to very quickly pump okay. the tires about the nonprofit that you run. Okay. And then a little bit about your music. Fair. And so outside of UK and youth services, I run a free school of arts. What name is Creart Edmonton. It's basically a free school of arts. I'm a multidisciplinary artist. I I'm a singer, I'm a guitar player, I do theater, I have done filmmaking and photography, and uh, a I- A painter. A painter as well. <laughs> I love arts in general. I believe that lo- arts save my life. Mm. Uh, it gives me a purpose and an outlet to communicate everything that was inside of me. So many years ago, a theater instructor uh, gave me a free scholarship when I was 12, 13. I just arrived to Chile. And she teach me for free for four years. Mm with the promise of paying forward. And I promised her that, and I'm a man of my word. So many years later, when I was here in Canada, I found myself with a lot of time. So I created this free school of arts on her name Hmm. because she provided me an outlet and she saved my life. Hmm. So in her drink was a multidisciplinary school of arts, but she just could do theater. So I created a free school of arts here and has been run for the last nine years. And I teach free guitar lessons, free ukulele lessons, and I coordinate multiple volunteers to teach people for free. We provide free instruments to people. We create free workshops and everything is always free. I don't care how much money people have. At some they want to be involved, they're welcome and we don't charge nobody. Uh, and that was a way to pay for my theater instructor for when I was 13 years old. It's I'm amazing. 41 now. Yeah. And I love it. And there's many times I'll see you on social media saying, hey, we need three guitars. Can we get... And like, you are amazing at getting things, right? And this community is really amazing at helping. Yeah, it is. really are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're also quite a musician. And yeah. and I've, I've realized this more and more over the years is as all of a sudden I see this video where you're performing here and I'll see this and I'm like, oh my gosh, like he is unreal. So I hope that people will go check you out too as you do your music and and uh, just check you out. And we'll make sure we get your website mm-hmm. up on the notes on here. And at the end, we'll tell everybody as well where they can find you, all right? Um, you are a guy that loves to give back and it's amazing. But now we are truly going to find out if you are relentless. I've been saying you are, but we're going to find out. Okay. Sebastian, say your whole name. Gerardo Sebastián Barrera de la Torre. It's time for you to do the quiz, Sebastian. Uh, <laughs> fruits or vegetables? Fruit. City or countryside? Mm, city. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? None. <laughs> you got to pick one. Ah, <sighs> Dirty kitchen. Okay. Okay. Salty or sweet? Oh, salty. Interesting, because you went fruit. Now you went salty. A lot of people yeah. do this. It, uh, listen, it, 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 it's not going to pass or fail you. Morning or night? Oh, night. You and I are the same. Yeah. We've talked yeah, about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. We're night owls. Uh, favorite comedy movie? Favorite comedy movie? Mm, that's complicated. Um, what is that Tom Hanks movie that he ran all over? Uh, Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of a lot of comedy, lot of comedy in that movie. Yeah, in that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. first person to ever said. I like it. Dude, unbelievable movie. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable movie. Big party or small gathering? Big party. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the phone bathroom. in the bathroom? Thank please, you. man, that was fast. Yeah. Like I wasn't even done asking, and you were answering. I it, and I appreciate yeah. your yeah. honesty. I have a tablet waiting for me. Nice. <laughs> All right. As long as you're not FaceTiming. Uh, favorite <laughs> love song of all time. Please tell me it's the only one you knew for years, but favorite <laughs> no. love song of all time. Uh, it means a lot to me. Is that song that appeared in the movie Ghost? Oh, by the Righteous Brothers. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know yeah. the movie Ghost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, like, oh, when, yeah. Do I know the movie okay. Ghost? Patrick is, Swayze is one of my favorite it, actors of all time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeepers. Dirty Dancing, eh? <laughs> uh, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Road Ghost. Out. Ghost. Ghost. I mean, that used to be my on. parents' song, and oh. uh, and that is one of my favorite songs. Unchained Melody. There we go. That's what yeah. it's called, I think. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful song. Yeah. Beautiful song. Uh, only a couple left here. Cake or pie? Cake. Okay. Last question. Sebastian, 
I can't say your whole name. Uh, <laughs> describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. Okay. Exciting. Um, intimate. Truth. And relentless. Nice. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you, you too, You are uh, you're a brother. And I'll tell you, this guy, over the last four and a half years we've hung out, many times just reaches out randomly. But it ain't randomly. It's actually always perfect timing. To encourage me and to check in on me. And I, I appreciate it so much, man. I do. Uh, mind you, use Messenger too much. Like, just text me. But anyways, yeah, fair. I've, I've told yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> told yeah. I thought you were that kind of generation of Messenger all the time. But okay. <laughs> that generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the Facebook generation. The Facebook generation. Uh, Sebastian, where can we find you on social media? Where can we find the website of your charity as well? Okay. So, the charitable, the non-for-profit organization that I run is www.creartedmonton.com. And then you can follow me, my music work and my paintings on Sebastian Project uh, on Facebook. Sebastian Project. That's it. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much for being here, man. I'm so glad. And I really hope people that are listening got a good sense of what a relentless youth worker for You Can Youth Services does. The young people we work with, a bit of the employment program stuff as well, and just an overall kind of idea of really what we're about in this community. I do plan on bringing a, a young person or two on to tell their mm-hmm. stories. Um, but I appreciate your honesty here. Thanks for sharing about your life as well as a young man. And uh, let's keep being relentless, bro. I'm Thank looking you, forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Folks, you can find us at youcan.ca. You find Sebastian and me on youcan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. And you can find me uh, really just on Twitter. I do the Instagram, but I don't really know how to do it. Uh, at Kyle Dubay on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, until the next time. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.